Inter Intervox. We're live in the Intervox as we speak. We're live right now. <laughs> hey, hello, everybody. Ah, uh, good morning, people. Welcome to another edition of the of the Academy Award winning Rock Show. Yep. The, no, the number two podcast in America. <laughs> episode, episode 94. 94, when we're talking about a very um, strange group, a very strange fella. We're talking about the Stray Cat and yeah. um, Brian... Um, Brian Setzer. Setzer, and a guy that was... A, he was a weird fucking guy, but he was a hell of a guitar player. I, I, I wouldn't say he was weird, uh, unless you know something I don't, but... but uh, he he was different, okay? Uh, different, uh, you know, the Stray Cats, to me, I'll say right now, I think they're one of the great American bands. They're, they're, definitely, really one of, they're definitely one of the best bands to be in the top 40 in the 80s and, and a little bit in the early 90s. Uh, they've, they were doing something that really, I mean, I can remember even at the height, of them being popular in like 83, 84, there was an open hostility to rockabilly music. All right. Uh, you know, they were top 40, uh, you know, and, and you know and, why? Cause rockabilly sucks. Let's talk about no, it. They no, start, I don't, I love rock. Let me tell you, some yeah. of those, some of the people that listen to that music, it's horrible. They're a bunch of fucking, they're worse than wrestling fan. They're a bunch of, nah, you're, you're going you're gonna to, I'm gonna nah. shit on that. I, nah, I, I nah. like I, I like the music, but I didn't like the rockabilly lifestyle because some of these guys are posters. Like they oh, just yeah. say who the fuck they are. It's like no, no. I, I mean, sometimes it's just fashion. It's okay. like shut but, up. But, no, but but you know, hardcore rockabilly oh, fans that take the music seriously. That's a that's a genre I got yeah. a lot of respect for. Oh yeah. Um, the, the the Stray Cats, you know, w w were the forefront of that in the '80s, as far as you know in the public conscience that there's, there's always been rockabilly music since the fifties. Okay. Even through the sixties, uh, yeah, but either, either the between... style was like old school, you know, the style yeah, they did was like a saying. very old school kind of, you know, like Elvis yeah. cash. It was like that kind of, yeah. Yeah. Free, I mean, they, they, they were based, they were based off of the music that came out of sun records in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what rockabilly music is. It's roots rock and roll. And it's all good. It's good drinking music. It's good hanging out, just listening to it. Uh, you know, what I was saying about open hostility is like in the 80s, you know, you had hair metal, okay? And it was this like whole thing with being like a guitar hero and all that stuff. And Brian, who I think is is a fantastic, very underrated guitar player. Uh, he's he's guy, definitely in the top 20. I would put him there. I would put him there. He's and he doesn't a great really get, guitar player. But he doesn't get that that recognition, like no. you know, the, like the late Eddie Van Halen or guys like that. Uh, I guess it just depends on the style that you like. But I would, you know, Brian sets a between his the Stray Cats and and the, the orchestra, the Brian sets orchestra. I mean, he, he's doing his own thing. And anybody that's out there doing that kind of music and actually getting by, making it popular. I got a lot of respect for. Him. I yeah, just I, I do, and and he's he's been like you know he's a New York guy. He's from Massapequa, so yeah. you know you got to give him props for that. Uh, and just watching him play, I enjoy. And I've seen the Stray Cats about uh, maybe about three, yeah, three times. I think I've seen three times. I never over the saw years. the uh, Stray Cat, but I saw the orchestra, and the orchestra I, was I, very good. And I've never good. and I've never seen the orchestra. I've seen. Lee Rocker by himself, but I've never seen the Brian Setzer to orchestra. Uh, I, I don't know why I should have. I mean, that time when they were big with like the jump driving whale in the nineties. Yeah, it was good. Know, that, that, that was good. You know, I don't know why I didn't. I didn't go. I should have. But you know he what? Comes, he comes around every year, pretty much. Mike, you want to hear something? How I got to see them? I won some. I won some contests on Z One Hundred. They gave me free tickets to see them somewhere in one of these small venues, wherever it was. But it was like a small venue, and it was him and this giant orchestra, him mm -hmm. playing the guitar and the orchestra doing this shit. It was great. Yeah, yeah I mean, great. he's he's a guy that's kept the, you know, the 1950s culture alive. Uh, on one of his solo albums called Ignition, he even has a, a song called 1959, which he talks about all different things that went on in that year. And that was the year he was born. I mean... He had a uh, uh, 
kind of like an aha moment when he was a kid. Uh, he was listening to a Beatles record. Okay? <laughs> and I think it was the song Honey Don't, which is originally by Carl Perkins. And the Beatles did it. And he had a moment where he was listening to it and he noticed his father was into the song and knew the song. So he was like, you know, how do you know this? Okay. And he's like, it's a Carl Perkins song. And, and Brian didn't know that it was a cover and was like, oh. And then he said that that intrigued him. Like, okay, here's this great band, the Beatles, covering somebody. Well, who is this guy? And Carl Perkins, you know, was around 10 years earlier from the Beatles uh, in, in, down in Sun Records making Rockabilly. Records. Yeah, of course. So that's, that's, that's how he really got into it. And, and also, one thing, you know, they, they discovered rockabilly music in the, in the 70s, early 70s, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, but the three of them who, who, and Brian is actually a couple years older than he's the other two, uh, they, they were from Massapequa, Long Island, at a time when, you know, bands like probably, you know, Led Zeppelin and, and you know, Grand Funk Railroad and, you know, all those early 70s monster bands were big. They they were they had this love for rockabilly music and it was it had to be weird it had to be a weird you know you're a weird fucking guy nobody was really listening to that in America no. you know where you had rockabilly music really flourishing uh, since the beginning is is England yeah okay uh, there's been rockabilly scenes rockabilly revival scenes many times over the last 50, 60 years out of England. And it's all legit. I mean, these guys do it right. They, they wear the right clothes. They, they love the music. They, you know, uh, even early on with the, the Rolling Stones, like, you know, Keith Richards and stuff was listening to Carl Perkins. And that was an influence on them, you know. So, the, the, you know, rockabilly, yeah, I know what you're saying. Sometimes it's like a little, little trendy, a little, a little, a little fluffy, a little like yeah. pose, a little posery. I know what you're saying, but uh, as a genre, I think it's a great genre, and and you could do so much of it because you could have straight ahead rockabilly music like the Cats, but then you could also do shit like the Cramps, okay? Or you could do stuff like the Meteors out of out of England, which were another kind of crazy rockabilly based Cramps ish kind of band. Yeah, uh, and and it's all good. It's just three chords. You know, so it's let me, record stuff. Let me ask you a question. So let's start the little history. Let's start yeah. with the band called the Tomcats and work our way to the Stray Cat to the Brian Seltzer Orchestra. Yeah. What do you think? You want to? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I want to give a little, just a little back history on the three guys. Now, Brian yeah. Seltzer was born April tenth, nineteen fifty nine, in Massapequa, Long Island. Yeah. Now, his, his early interests was jazz, and he actually uh, was playing some jazz instruments and stuff at the time. He used to find his way as a kid into the city and uh, to a place called the Village Vanguard down in the West Village. And uh, they would have a lot of jazz musicians there, and he would manage to see some of them as a kid. Uh, later on, he really got into rock and roll, all right? Uh, by the time he was 18, punk rock was, was, was flourishing in the city. He had the CBGB scene and stuff like that. He was into that. Uh, and he was also into rockabilly. Rockabilly was something that he got into pretty much for the reason I just described. Um, Why do they call that rockabilly? Why do they call that rockabilly? It's a mix of hillbilly and rock and roll. That's pretty much what it is, right? Hillbilly with yeah, rock I, and roll. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's how they got the word. Yeah. And he, he taught himself how to play guitar. Okay. Um, so... He was on his way by the time he was 18. He was already, you know, putting bands together. Now, Lee Rocker, the bass player in the Stray Cats, his real name is Leon Drucker. He was born August 3rd, 1961 in Massapequa. And he is the son of classical clarinet players Stanley and Naomi Drucker. Stanley actually actually played for the New York Philharmonic under Leonard Bernstein. Wow. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that's some heavy musical influence right there. Yeah. But he, he, he taught himself at age 12 to play the electric bass. But slowly he got interested in playing a slap bass, okay, which is the big double bass that you see him play. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not an easy instrument to play. Not only is it bigger than you, okay, it's, it's, it's not easy to play that instrument. There's a lot to it. Uh he got interested in Elvis, Carl Perkins, 
other rockabilly music, and that's why he kind of switched over to the big slap bass because that was the bass that these people used. Okay. Okay. Now, Slim Jim Phantom, a guy I got a lot of admiration for. His real name was James McDonald. Uh, I'm sorry, McDonald, James McDonald. Uh, March 21st, 1961, he was born in Brooklyn, but he was raised in Massapequa, just like the other two guys. Yep. Uh, he started playing in his parents' jazz records. They were big jazz heads, and he started playing their records. He became a jazz drummer, and he actually got lessons from Mousy Alexander, okay, which is uh, – he's a, a famous drummer for uh, Benny Goodman. Oh, yeah, okay. Benny Goodman's ben, ben yeah. Goodman's band, okay? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jim taught himself how to play drums. He would use books, lesson books, things like that as a kid. Um, I mean, as a young kid, even like 12, 13 years old. Um, he, he got into rock and roll, and he got into rockabilly music and punk. Well, he's okay. a better. Was he a better drummer than uh, Gary? Uh, <laughs> I think so. Okay, and and, and 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 yeah, we'll talk about Gary Setzer in a minute. Okay. Um, now the three of them met around Massapequa High School. Like I said, Brian Brian Setzer was two years older than these guys uh, in the seventies, and in seventy seven, Brian had two bands going simultaneously. He had. Uh, the Tomcats, which featured his brother, Gary Setzer, on drums. Okay. A guy named Bob Beecher was on bass. Now, this band was also known as the Bloodless Pharaohs. And the Tomcats were rockabilly based. Yeah. The Blood Pharaoh, Bloodless Pharaohs were kind of like rockabilly 50s kind of like uh but they had elements of punk elements of got what would be known as goth okay a little bit they were cramps-ish in a way okay they had like a a beat like a like the song human fly they had songs that kind of sounded a little bit like that um they used to play cbgb's a lot okay they also had some elements of the band suicide okay uh, with, you know, in, in their, in their sound, they were kind of strange. They had a keyboardist named Ken Kinnelly in the band. Uh, they were kind of new wave Gothic. I, I can't really describe them. Look them up. Bloodless Pharaohs. Uh, they had a couple of okay songs, but really Brian wanted to go in a, a straight ahead rockabilly direction. Um, now, you, you know, you mentioned Gary, uh, G Gary's an interesting guy. I don't know him personally, but my, my buddy, Rick Rivets, uh, told me some stories about him, uh, and I think they, I think from what I gathered, Brian and Gary sometimes had some some fights and stuff and things like that. Little things that I heard. There was a story one time where 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 Gary showed up at a gig. I guess it was a Tomcats gig, and <laughs> and he didn't he didn't he forgot his sticks, <laughs> and he went in the back of the club and and got a couple of twigs from a tree. Okay, and he went out to do the gig with the Twigs, and Brian, like, I think he flipped out. I don't even know if he finished the show, or, you know, whatever. But it was a whole big fight between the two of them. But uh, Brian, how the hell do you get? How the hell do you forget your drumstick? What the fuck's drummer, wrong I, with? Yeah, it's a drummer. I, I, what I the know. fuck's wrong with you? I'm sure that's what Brian told him. I mean, Brian was very driven. Okay, so if you were gonna do something like that, I'm sure he was gonna piss you off. But I, I, I heard the story secondhand, so I don't know exactly what happened. But now the Tomcats would be playing a lot of the Long Island clubs around Massapequa and, and other places. Um, the Blood Pharaohs kind of played more often in the city. They fit in better with what was going on at CBs and Maxes and places like that. Uh, this went on for about two years or so, like between 77 and 79. In 79, Brian would break up the Tomcats and he would break up the Bloodless Pharaohs. He had started hanging out with, with Lee and, and Jim. Okay, and wanted to put together a band with them. Uh, the idea was to kind of put this like straight ahead rockabilly, Sun Records artists based, influenced kind of band. Okay, yeah. uh, got you know they were they were very influenced by Eddie Cochran, Gene Vincent. Okay, they, those guys were early rockabilly artists. Um, Bill Haley and the Comets, who did Rock Around the Clock. All right, yep. that was a big influence on them. Um, 
immediately, right off the bat, they, they started to play shows and, and, and have a, a pretty big following right away. Um, they would play CBGBs. He had his connections in the city from the Bloodless Pharaohs. So the Stray Cats went there. Uh, Max's Kansas City, CBs, other clubs on Long Island because they had played them before. Okay, so they had those connections. And they were doing well uh, right off the bat for about a year. Um, and then in the UK at that time, that's what they I thought. I didn't know that that they really got the signing and it started the UK to the point that oh yeah, dude, they, they were homeless. They were sleeping in the park and all kind of yeah. shit until they yeah. got a I mean, they level. they heard about this Teddy Boy culture yeah. going on in in England. There was a revival of that and a revival of rockabilly music, and that was right up their alley. Okay, so they they felt that, and again, I think this it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. At that time, 1979, 1980, I think that there was kind of a, you know, there might have been a, a little bit of a niche for them here to start out, but there was kind of like almost an open hostility to rockabilly music. I think yeah. a lot of people looked at it like this is just Happy Days music. Yeah. Okay. It was and, definitely Happy Days music. Well, <laughs> yes, but it's a little more raw than that. Okay. It's not, it's not as poppy as Happy Days. But, but you know, yeah, I mean, it was 50s. So yeah, happy days. Well, what's wrong with that? Okay, but but they, you know, I think that they felt that they wanted to fit in with a scene. They wanted to be part of a scene. Yeah, England, England. They knew their rockabilly history. Guys like Gene Vincent and stuff would do very well in England uh, when he was alive. Um, even all of Europe, France was another place that had big rockabilly culture. We talked about this in other shows. Yeah. Okay. How 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 that that kind of stuff always did well in Europe. Um, now the Teddy boy culture is interesting. Do you know anything about it, Rob? No, I don't know what the hell that is. Okay. It's, it's, it sounds like pansy boys to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they, t the Teddy boys were, were in the fifties and early sixties. They were like rock and roll fans. Okay. Yeah. Traditional rock and roll fans, rockabilly based. They wore, um, they wore like the, the tight jeans and, and the waist coats that almost look like they almost look like revolutionary jackets, kind of, they were a little, uh, but they were kind of be frilly, kind of. They had their hairs in pompadours, like, you know, like, uh, like Gary Glitter kind of looked early yeah. on. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, this was a scene and, and they were psycho fucks, man. They were like skinheads. They beat you up. Oh yeah. Okay. You know the Teddy Boys would not not to be messed around with, especially in the fifties and sixties. There was a revival of that culture in the late seventies in England. Uh, a bunch of bands had taken that kind of look. Uh, I mentioned the Meteors earlier. They were they were one that were. Uh, well, you know what? I wouldn't call them Teddy Boys. They 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 didn't have that look, but they had a a, a great rockabilly sound that I think the Teddy Boys liked. In the sixties, you had two rival teen cultures going on. You had the Teddy Boys and you had the Mods. And if you ever watch like Quadrophenia, okay, the Who, the Who movie, okay, yeah. you know, they're about the Mods, but then they would fight the Teddy Boys as well, okay? It was, it was two rival youth cultures going on. So anyway, there was a, a Rockabilly and Teddy Boy revival in, in 79, 80 in England. They wanted to be part of it, so they sold all their shit and they left and they went to England. Okay. Um, they, like, like I said, they struggled at first. They were, they were you know why he went to England, right? Cause then there was a bartender, one of the clubs that play in Long Island from London. And he told Brian, you're a fucking star. You look like a star. If you go back yeah. home to London, You'll you're going to be, gonna yeah, be he, a fucking star. Yeah. He heard about what, you know, from this bartender, you know, yeah. what was going on in England. In those days, there was no internet. There was no, no. you know, things like, you, even in the magazines, they probably weren't really talking about it. So yeah. he's like, wow, there's, you mean, what I do is really big in England? And you guess know, what? So I'm, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that takes a lot of balls. Yeah. Think about that. I don't know if I'd have the balls to just leave America and go somewhere. Like, no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's 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 hard, but they wanted to make it, <clears throat> and they, you know, this is how they did it. So when they got to the UK, right away, they, you know, I mean, they struggled at first, but they fit in with the scene going on, and they were kind of like spearheading this whole scene. 
Um, they, what they did was interesting. They they added kind of elements of punk rock into their look, into their style of music a little bit. Um, other bands were doing this as well. They, they, they had a great look, the Stray Cats, early on. And I think that attracted a lot of fans right away. You know, they had this like 1950s fashion, but... With they were unique looking. Of, they were unique little, looking. Right, a little, a little, a little looking. bit of a little bit of punk thrown in. Okay, so it kind of merged the two scenes, which was interesting. They would wear like um, those jackets I described. They're called drape jackets. Yeah. Okay, and they would wear creepers, which were like the the pointed shoes, um, western style shirts, and mix that in with other punk fashions at the time. Maybe like a cut off t shirt or something yeah. like that. You know, they would mix that. So. But again, they were not all just fashion. These guys were solid musicians. Yeah. All right. And, and that was obvious right away. And anybody that, that saw them, they were not to be, you know, not to be fucked around with. They were, they were really good. So when they arrived, what they did was they started playing under different names to get as much exposure as yeah. they could. Okay. What they would do is, you know, in, in the clubs in those days, they, they could like if, if they were the Stray Cats on a Tuesday night, the same club wouldn't book them again on Wednesday. No. All right. It just was something that the clubs did. I don't know why. But what they used to do is they would say, okay, well, you know, Monday night will be the Tomcats. Tuesday night uh, will be the Stray Cats. Uh, you know, Wednesday night will be Brian and the Tomcats or something yeah. like that. So they would, they would mix the names up just to get out there and play as many gigs as possible get paid obviously yep. whatever little bit they were getting paid so they wanted to play every night and and they would eventually settle into the stray cats once they 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 had the exposure then they were the stray cats they were getting the money they wanted all where the did they get the that gigs. name from where did they get that name from because i see um that it was a uh, the name the the band yeah. name stray cat it was in a, already... a, a movie it was in yeah, a movie called, that will be uh, the day yeah, that that'll be, be the day, day that what's uh, I think Stardust, I think. Yeah, the sequel, sequel yeah. That. Yeah, they 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 yeah, there was a movie I think around 1973-74 that featured a band called the Stray Cats, I think. And I think they they used that. It's just a cool thing. I mean, you know, yeah. it fit in with the rockabilly. He had the Tom Cats. Maybe, you know, he liked cats, I guess. I don't know, Brian Sessor, you know. Maybe yeah. he liked cats. So also, while they were in England, they, they kind of made friends and, and would see some of the remaining punk bands in 79, 80, yeah. like The Clash. Uh, Susie and the Banshees were big. Uh, a band that was coming up out of England at that time, the UK Subs, which would be part of that UK yeah. 82 scene with GBH and stuff like that. They were, they were into seeing those bands as well. That I name come up a lot. The UK you, Subs come up oh, a yeah. lot where we talk. Oh, yeah, they were a great, great band. Great band. We did a show on GBH last year. Yeah. UK Subs and GBH like, yeah, came yeah. out at the same time. They did yeah. a lot of shows together, stuff like that. Uh, now, by mid-1980, they were playing a lot in England, and there was rumors of, of some record company interest in them. Uh, members of even Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, and the Who had gone to see these guys. They'd heard about them. You know and who was said, at that first show? Who? Who was at the very first show? Uh, the Pretenders. They played show, and the Pretenders were in. Um, yeah. In the audience, and yeah, yeah. Cr Chrissy Hind was a fan. Yeah, okay. she probably fucked them all. <laughs> oh. oh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Chris, it's possible. Chrissy, Chrissy's had her fair share. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> after a gig in London. Uh, they they met backstage with musician and producer Dave Edmonds. All right, uh, he was in a band called Rock Pile with Nick yep. Lowe. Okay, and he was known as a big like roots rock and roll enthusiast. So he offered to work with them, and they ended up recording their first album, the self-titled Stray Cats, in 1981. It came out on Arista Records, UK Arista. UK, right, in England only, okay? Uh, Runaway Boys was a big hit. Rock This Town was on yeah, that Rock album. Yeah, Rock This Town, yeah. Uh, Stray Cat Strut was on this album. Yep. Later in the year, they came out with a second album called Gonna Ball, all right? 
Now, the first album did, did fantastic. It had actually yeah. uh, done platinum, okay? And the second one, Gonna Ball, came out later that year in November of 81. Uh, it wasn't as big a hit, but it did have several tracks like Baby Blue Eyes, Little Miss Prissy, yeah. uh, you, don't, you Don't Believe Me, Rev It Up and Go, and a song called Lonely Summer Nights. Those songs would end up on the first official American release, which would be soon. Yeah. Uh, it would be an album called Built for Speed. Yep. That second album, Gonna Ball, didn't do as good as the first one, but EMI in America was, was noticing them. And yeah. based, on, based on the combination of sales between the two albums, they decided to release a combination of these two albums, the best tracks from, from the both of them, and make an album called Built for Speed. All right. Uh, I think there would be uh, at least one new track on there. The title track, I think, was the new one, Built for Speed. And it came out in June of 1982 in America. Now, I, you know, there was a lot of hype at the time. Okay. EMI was doing a great job, uh, you know, yeah. giving some publicity out. There's this band. I mean, I remember in 82, okay, you would hear, you would hear Runaway Boys. This was before the, before. All the time. <laughs> yeah, on LIR, on LIR, yeah. okay, 92.7. I used to listen to that as a kid, and I'd be like, this is kind of cool. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's cool. But you didn't know much about them because the album wasn't here, okay? You want to hear and, something strange about yeah. them? Guess where the Straight Car got the first gold album from? Go First gold album from where? Finland. Finland. Finland has when, a great rock scene, right? Dude, they went, they went gold first in Finland. They were big in the UK, but the first gold album was in Finland. Can you believe that? Like I didn't they know were that. Reaching, they were reaching out in the UK, and they were yeah. big in the UK, but for some reason, that second album pretty shot the bed. I don't know why. Well, you know, uh, if you remember our Hanoi Rocks episode, okay, yeah. you know, they, they, they went from Finland to England okay, yeah. and, did very, and did very well. So, they, yeah. you know, there is, there, you know, I, I think in Europe, if you're big in the UK, you could be big in the other places as well because they look to the UK. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Built for Speed came out in June of 82, and the first single off it was a, a song called Stray Cat Strut. That was great. But, yeah, but interesting enough, it actually bombed at first. It, it, it actually stalled at number 109. And what happened was they put out a second single, Rock This Town. Oh, that was great. That, 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 that took off and went top 10. Yeah. So what they did was they actually re-released after that Stray Cat Strut again as a single. And at that time, it got to number three. But also interesting, what was happening in 1982? MTV. MTV. Okay. They loved them. They loved them. Uh, they were MTV darlings. As soon as they put out the Rock This Town video, Oh and my the Stray God. Cat Strut video. I went and I watched those two last night. I hadn't seen them in a long time. And I'm like, God, I, you couldn't get away from Stray Cat Strut. I remember no. that was like... Everywhere. Okay, it was everywhere. The video was on like every hour. That was the time when MTV was great. I mean, you know, they played anything that... Had, anybody that had a video, they would play. It was much. great. Yeah, yeah. So that... You know, the but they were also all, they were also all over MTV. MTV they had that look that MTV really liked, and they would put it out. They had little commercial. You're watching yeah. MTV. You're watching MTV. I want my MTV. I, yeah, I think <laughs> I think Brian Setzer had one that said, "I want my MTV." It was you crazy, know, I man. I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I mean, th that was that was a, that was a great way. It was a brand new way to promote yourself. You know, come out with a video, a cool video. I mean, Rock This Town is great. You know, he's like riding a motorcycle and everything. That's a great got video. The, got the chick with him. and stuff. I mean, it's a cool video. So Built for Speed would actually sell a million copies in the United States and Canada and got to number two on the charts for 15 weeks. Wow. Okay, so they, they, they stayed at number two. In That's 1983, good. yeah, now I'm just, you know, I, I didn't look it up, but I was curious as to what stopped them from going to number one. And the only thing I could think of maybe was Thriller. What do you think? Um, you think that, that was around the same that time? That might have been. What year was that? 92? 82. 82, Rob. 82. Let me, um, yeah. let me look at it. Let's see what I can yeah. find real quick. Yeah, no, I'm just, you know, it's, I'm curious because 
to be at number 15 for uh, number two, I'm sorry, for 15 weeks in a row, there was had, had to be something big blocking you. It had to be, it had to be thriller. What, what was, the, what was number, what was number one in, in, in June of, you know, the summer of 82. It had to be thriller, right? Yeah. So, you know, what was out that time you had like, um, you had eye of the tiger. I love rock and roll, ebony, ebony. Let me see what but, was. But um, I'm talking albums. Those albums. Those songs. Look, number one. Um, number one albums. Albums or record? Records, yeah, records. Albums. Number one records of 1982. You had. Wow, this is fucking weird. While you do, while you keep talking, let me look it up because I gotta go through right. some stuff here. All right. Well, got, in, in eighty in, in, in eighty three, we'll get back to it in a second. In eighty three, the Stray Cats started recording their third album. It would be their second in America, but their third album. It was called Rant and Rave with the Stray Cats, and it came out in August of eighty three. Now, critically, it was very well received. It's it's a great album. Uh, commercially, it didn't match Built for Speed, but it did make the top ten single. She's Sexy in 17, which is one of their biggest hits. Uh, and there was also a top 40 ballad called I Won't Stand in Your Way. And uh, very interesting enough is, is years ago, like about 1991, I had a conversation with Joey Ramon one time. And, and it was in the Ramon's van. I was getting a ride from them. And uh, I asked Joey, what are you listening to these days? Now, this was 1991. And he goes, well, I've been listening to the Stray Cats a lot. I said, really? I said, I love this. Wow. And, and, and he's like, yeah, he goes, I kind of missed them the first time around, but I've been like, you know, discovering them again. And, and I'm like, yeah, well, what, what are your songs that you like? And he said, I won't stand in your way was like his favorite. So that's kind of cool. Little, little tidbit there. That, is uh, cool. that, that, that was, that was a popular uh, MTV video as well. Okay. You know, and one thing that with that song, I won't stand in your way, a ballad like that, I, I think you 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 really appreciate Setz's voice, okay? Uh, he's got a great voice. I mean, it, it, the guitar playing is fantastic, yeah. but he's got he's got a great voice for the style of music he does, and and that they do. I'm mean, you know the whole band. I mean, they did backing vocals and stuff, but Brian really was 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 the forefront when it came to the singing, and. You know he's got a, a, a underrated voice and underrated guitar playing. He is how very he underrated. How, how he stays under the radar like that, I don't know. I guess it just he doesn't really promote himself like that. But but uh, I mean, I think people kind of forget about him. You know, and I guess he doesn't care. You know, he does his own thing. But by 1984, uh, there started to be like musical and personal conflicts in the band. All right. Uh, they kind of started to go their separate ways a little bit. Uh, Slim Jim married actress Britt Eklund, who was about 20 years older than him, actually. So that's a very interesting marriage right there. Britt Eklund, if you remember, was the Bond girl in Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, yeah, uh, she's I remember the, that. The blonde, the blonde Swedish actress. She was in uh, the original Wicker Man with Christopher Lee. That's a, that's a great movie. Uh, he married her, and then Brian Setzer, Started kind of hanging out with other rock stars. He was hanging out with Bob Dylan. He was hanging out with Stevie Nicks. Uh, he ended up on the, the tour playing guitar for Robert Plant and the Honey Drippers. Okay. Uh, remember he had that cover of Sea of Love, Robert Plant? Yeah. It was good, that, that cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. And uh, he actually toured with them, I think, for a little bit on the, on the American tour. Uh, late in 84, the Stray Cats added a second guitarist to their band briefly. Okay, it was pretty much just for a live tour. Uh, his name was Tommy Burns, and he was a Long Island native, and he did the European and American tour. Uh, I always thought that was kind of a weird move. I don't, it didn't last long, but I never understood exactly why they did that. All right, their music didn't really call for another guitar player. But I guess maybe they wanted to beef their sound up a little bit. <laughs> I think I, I think know. they did. Yeah, yeah. Now, unfortunately, after that European and American tour, Brian would kind of dissolve the band. And, and the other two guys 
weren't for it. They didn't really understand why they were breaking up at pretty much <coughs> the height the height of their popularity. I mean, they were really peaking. They were good. Okay, you know. Uh, Brian, though, felt frustrated. He felt restless. He wanted to do something different. He was getting a little bit bored in the band. I think years later, he regretted it. I think years later, he even said <laughs> it was kind of stupid to, to break up the band at its peak. But listen, everybody was in their 20s. You know, you, you have different mentality. You got the whole world ahead of you. And you, he was bored. He, and, he, and he was starting to get some popularity on his own. So he would um, go solo, okay? And he would kind of get away from the rockabilly sound a little bit briefly and get into kind of a, a roots rock genre, a little bit different from rockabilly, more rock and roll. Uh, he put together a band called Brian Setzer and the Radiation Ranch. And he released an album called The Knife Feels Like Justice. And I remember that video and, and I remember the song and it, it was a decent song, kind of like it didn't do that great. It didn't, you know, it was like maybe low top 40s at the most. Uh, but I remember the video getting played quite a bit. And when he put that band together, they got their first major gig at the Farm Aid Festival in 1985. Remember Farm Aid? I remember Farm Aid. That was like, that was a fantastic, um, like, that was Willie, the, I think uh, Willie, Willie Nelson, Willie Nelson put yeah. that together, I think, right? And, uh, and what's his name? Uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, right? Um, now, Lee Rocker and Slim Jim Phantom would collaborate with former David Bowie guitarist Earl Slick. And they created a, a band called Phantom, uh, God, Phantom Rocker and Slick. Okay. And uh, it, it, they made this great album, self-titled album, Phantom Rocker and Slick. And it was a single on there called Men Without Shame. All right. Great song. Uh, different than the Stray Cats, more rock and roll. Okay. Not rockabilly. Uh, but I think that this album, this Phantom Rocker and Slick album, is like one of the best albums of the eighties. Wow. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if you go through the albums of the eighties, you have to put this in there. It's an amazing album. Guitar work is unbelievable. Uh, Keith Richards actually plays on it. Nicky Hopkins plays piano on a couple of songs. Uh, Keith Richards plays on a couple of songs. It Earl Slick is a great guitar player and you know, he's played with Bowie. He's played with other people. He's had his own stuff. Uh, really talented guy. They had a, a hit single with uh, Men Without Shame. It was a big MTV hit. If you do, you remember the song? If you hear it, you remember it. it had, I like, probably great, remember if I see a it. A great, great build up to it. Uh, it. It's just a cool song. I always, every once in a while, I'll drag it out on like, you know, the Rocker Mike song of the day or something like that. So when I hear um, something crazy, they also they also um, didn't they open up for the Rolling Stones also the Stray Cat to one point. I think you know I think they may have. Um, no, they, they they I think they in, did in the early eighties, right? In the yeah. early eighties, so the Stones were probably touring. Oh, I'm trying to think. Was that the Tattoo You or? I think that's all they did. They didn't they didn't tour between like eighty two and eighty eight. All right, so no, yeah, they I think it, it, it must have been it must have it must have been early on. I don't think they toured with the Stray Cats in the late '80s, right? Not the Still Wheels tour. I remember Living Color in '88 no. opening for the Stones, but they pretty much went there and they 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 were like, "Fuck, we gotta we gotta go in there and do this." And they got the they got the thing and they were open up for the um for the Rolling Stone. It was like a once in a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, it might, uh, I, I'm not sure when that was. It had to be early 80s, like 81, 82, uh, probably maybe even in England. But was it in America or was it in England? I think it was, uh, I think it was in a, you know what? I can't tell you that. I think uh, they just say that they got the call to open up for the Rolling Stone where they were just thinking about breaking up and they decided to stay together just because of that. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, you got me on that one. I'm not. Exactly and they told, sure and they said we're gonna get a bunch of new people, a bunch of new. Um, you know, they just got like. Yeah. You know that brought new life to them. Of course. I mean, if someone's telling you the Stones want you to open up, you know, uh, they they briefly would reunite. Okay, they had their little side things going on for yeah. about a year or two, and they would briefly reunite in 1986 
for a mostly covers album called Rock Therapy. But they would break up again right after that. And uh, 1989, they would come back again to do the Blast Off album. Now, I saw them on that tour, the Blast Off tour. Uh, that was amazing. I also saw them early on in 84, uh, before they broke up originally. Wow. Um, so I've seen them twice in the 80s. Uh, the 89 show was at the uh, the Ritz when it had moved up to 54th Street. Okay. And I remember seeing them there. There was a the title track, Blast Off, was fucking great. And, and uh, there was a song on there called Gene and Eddie, which was a, a tribute to Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran. Um, great, just a great, solid Stray Cats album, you know. Dude, it looked These like guys it might have been, been the police, it looked like. What do you mean, the police? Oh, the police. Oh, I think it might have. I think yeah, it might have been the yeah, police. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at right here. Okay. That's what I'm All right. So, it, you know, oh, oh, right. I mean, Synchronicity, I forgot about that album. That album was huge in 80s. Huge. Right? It was big, every, yeah. Every, every breath you take and all that. Yeah. I, I mean, for, to, be, to be at number two for 15 weeks in a row and just not hit number one at least one week, something big was stopping you. So, yeah, I could see that. If not Michael Jackson, I could see the police. Um, not one of my favorite bands. But anyway. <laughs> Um, oh, the police? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Ooh. I, I'm, I know I'm in the. Maybe you want to put a bullet in my head for saying it, but I just <laughs> never. I never really liked that band. I, I just never liked Sting. Uh, great musicians, whatever. Okay, fine, but but just never. Uh, when I hear "Every Breath You Take," I turn it off. <laughs> Stray Cats were better. They should have been number one at least one of those fifteen fucking weeks. Okay. But <laughs> now, uh, in 89, when they were doing Blast Off, they ended up on tour with Stevie Ray Vaughan. That would have been a good lineup to see. That um, would have been a very... Yeah, yeah. Now, at that point, they were no longer involved with EMI. And there was a small label called Liberation Records that put out an album that they worked with Nile Rodgers on. Nile Rodgers, formerly of, of Chic, and he produced like Duran Duran and bands like that. Your favorite band, Duran Duran. I, I love Duran um, Duran, man. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. There was an album they made called Let's Go Faster with Nile. Okay. And in 1992, they would come back again and, and collaborate with, with Dave Edmonds once again for the album Choo Choo Hot Fish. And that had the great song on it, Elvis on Velvet. Very cool song. Elvis uh, on Velvet. A, a, lot, a lot of slap bass driving that song. A lot of Lee Rocker on that one. Wow. Uh, they also did another covers album called Original Cool uh, but in that year, but they would call it quits again. Now, remember, at this time, Brian Setzer was, was, was putting together the Brian Setzer Orchestra. All right, that was something that he really wanted to do. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Um, this was something that he would have a big hit with. He still does. He still plays all the time with the, with the orchestra. He wanted to create what, what used to be called a review. Okay, a review band. And that's when you have this big orchestra. Guys like uh, Eddie Cochran used to do it. Okay, you'd have Ooh, like yeah. this orchestra orchestra backing you, and he would be playing guitar in front, in front of everybody. So it was cool. Uh, swing music in the 90s had a little revival. Remember that? Okay. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, and he kind of fit. He, he, he actually, I, I guess, I guess the Brian Setzer Orchestra. Can be can be given credit for starting that. There were other bands that were doing it. Okay, no one did it as good as these guys. Okay, nah. when he when he did the cover of Jump Driving Well, the Louis Prima song, yeah, uh, that was a big hit. And you know, I remember. But oh, one thing I got to mention too. With, with oh, all right, Mike. So you're a hundred percent what it was. It was Michael Jackson Thriller. Oh. That's what it was, and then in all August, those, all the, in August, yeah. it was uh, the police. So that's the two so, people that were blocking the the trailer. So it was and a combination. Of, it was a yeah. combination of them. Yeah. Ah, uh, fuck them, man. Stray cats are better than both of them. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but, I don't know. That Michael Jackson album was incredible. I, you know what? I'm not uh, the king of pop, but that that trailer album was fantastic. I hate to say, it. I love that album. Uh, you know, I I I guess I I mean I. I know I bought it. I think I did. Yeah, I I, I know I bought. It. I mean, everybody bought it, right? You definitely I mean, if you, bought it. If you, if you, I mean, I mean, this is. I think everybody bought the record, but 
it just was like something you had to have. The world was different then. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, you had to have that fucking record. And I mean, the, the song Thriller with Vincent Price on it, you know, that was great. You know, I still, yeah, think off, I, I still think his best album was Off the Wall. You always, you always say that, right? Yeah, Off the Wall. Uh, that was Black yeah, Michael I, Jackson. I, I saw, you want to, you want, yeah, you want to know the truth? Musically, I would agree. Okay. Musically, I would rather listen to that album than Thriller. Oh, that was a much okay. better album, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. He actually looked like a black guy. Yeah, that's when he was black. He had the fro. <laughs> then he, he turned into this little old white woman. What the fuck happened to Michael? Uh, that's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little conspiracy 420 thrown in. I know. So, yeah. so let me ask well, you a question. Because before he started the Alcatraz, he actually did something by himself and he failed. Right, so, uh, so, so a couple of solo albums. Yeah, they were yeah, they yeah. were they were nothing, man. They were like you ever heard one of those albums? That was shit. They were back. Well, shit, well, Mike. yeah, they, they weren't they weren't <laughs> that good. But but I will say, I think it was early two thousands. He came out with an album called Ignition, and there was a track called nineteen fifty nine. Like I mentioned earlier, oh a bunch yeah, of yeah. Other songs. That album was really good. I mean, it played like a Stray Cats album almost. Um, and, uh, that album was good. I think that's my favorite solo album from him, but you know, yeah, he had some, he had some bombs in there. Uh, yeah, but the, or the orchestra was, was, was doing well for him through the nineties. Uh, yeah. but by 2004, the stray cats would reunite again for a month long tour of Europe. They were always big in Europe. All right. Yeah. And they, they released a live album called rumble in Brixton. Okay, instead of Rumble in Brighton, Rumble in yeah. Brixton. And they there was one new studio track on that album called Mystery Train Kept a Rolling. Uh, in 2007, they hit the road again with ZZ Top and The Pretenders. Okay, they're old friend Christy Hine. Yeah. And uh, they, they hadn't done an American tour in 15 years at that point. Wow. Okay, so, since 92. And uh, they I went did, to I Japan. Did, how did they do in Japan? Yeah. They must have loved it in Japan. Everybody does good in Japan. Okay, it's it's huge. They love American bands. And let me tell you something. Japan has a kick-ass rockabilly scene. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, there there are so many Japanese rockabilly fans wearing the clothes, doing their hair up like Elvis. Okay. Uh, it's 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 amazing. There's a band that comes around. Um, I saw them last year called Guitar Wolf. They've been around for about 25 years. I used to see them at the Continental. Okay? <laughs> you told me that. Guitar yeah, yeah. <laughs> Japanese, Japanese band, Japanese rock band that they all dress like, they look like rockabilly guys. They got like you know, hair pompadour, the sunglasses. They look like Japanese Link Rays. Okay. And uh, they don't play a word of English. Okay. Uh, but... They're just fucking great. They rock out. I saw them open for Nashville Pussy in Brooklyn last year. And uh, they're, they're amazing. But in Japan, the Stray Cats always did well. So to go there, they definitely were going to make some money. Um, also in 2008, they would tour Australia in, and New Zealand for the first time in almost 20 years, about 18 years. Uh, and in April of 2009, uh, it being Brian Setz's 50th birthday, there was a, a special concert that they reunited for in Minneapolis. Uh, they would kind of take a hiatus for a while, for about nine years, actually. They wouldn't play together again. And in 2018, they reunited for a one-off gig at the Rockabilly Festival in Vegas. That's done in every April. That's something we need to go to, Rob. I've, I've been Rock wanting to go to this. I've been, yeah, I think it's called uh, the Viva Las Vegas Rockabilly Festival. It's every year. It's in April. Okay, I, I think this year they didn't have it, obviously. Um, but uh, it's it's at the Orleans Hotel, which is like right off the strip. The Orleans Hotel is like right next to the Rio. Okay, you've been to Vegas. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's right off the strip. And every April they have this Rockabilly Festival. They have bands. Okay, and the Stray Cats did this one in 2018. But it's very cool. They They have like bands. You can get tattoos. They've got like all car shows and things like that it's a lot of fun i've never done done it i want to go 
But when as soon as they announce it, the tickets go like this. Oh yeah, that's like anytime and, they do something like that, it's it's sold out. Especially those, yeah, I mean that's it actually like, that's like a convention almost. You know, it's a it's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a rockabilly convention. Yeah. Okay. And whenever they have it announced when it's going to be, it's at the Orleans Hotel, and the Orleans Hotel just sells out in a second. So I've never been able to to make it to that. I'd like to. Uh, maybe, so let maybe me next, maybe next year. Yeah, let me ask you a question. So they reunited. They went to Nashville. They recorded this um, album for the 40th anniversary, and yeah. um, they did the uh, album first video called "Cat Fight" over Cat a dog fight. like me, over a dog yep. like me. Over, Have over you seen in that? Parentheses. Yes, yeah. great song, great song, great, great video. Uh, there's a there's a, a nice little like clip that you could see on YouTube about them in the studio. Like, did you see it? Um, I haven't seen like, that. I, they, I didn't even know they. I didn't even know they made an, another album because I'm reading oh yeah, this for the talking, first time. They were, yeah, they, they, this was this was a big story last year because it came out. Yeah. Okay, I think the pandemic squashed so, the yeah. touring plans they had. I don't think they came around with it. They were planning to. Um, yeah, the, and this the, the is the original band, it. right? Oh, oh, of course. Yes, the three guys. All right. Yeah. Now, now, one thing I got to mention, too, is is during the whole time when the band was on hiatus, the several times they were on hiatus, yeah. uh, Setzer was doing stuff, but so was Lee Rocker and Slim Jim. All right. Uh, Lee Rocker has released a couple of solo albums. He's done some collaborations with people. Slim Jim played with a bunch of people. Uh, he played with Lemmy in a band called yeah. Headcat. Okay, Headcat. I have the album. It's fucking great. He played with okay. Carl Perkins. He played with Carl Perkins too before he died. Yeah, he played with yeah. George Harrison, uh, yep. Ringo Starr, Willie Nelson, Leonard Russell, Keith Richards, and a bunch. So this guy's like, and, and I think, and you could, and you could hear Slim Jim on Little Stevens Underground Garage. And speaking okay. of them, you saw the shout out we got from uh, Bill, uh, yeah. Bill Kelly, DJ Bill, Bill Kelly. Kelly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me plug him right now. Bill Kelly, Saturday nights, okay, on Little Stevens Underground Garage. Check out his Black Hole Bandstand show. It's it's great. Uh, he's been around forever. He's a fantastic DJ. Very, you know, the, you're gonna get offbeat rock and roll that you'd never heard before. Uh, he got his start on WFMU out of Jersey. I'm not sure if that was his start, but he was on there for for many years. Uh, but I love his show on Little Stevens Underground Garage. Sirius XM Channel 21, Saturday nights, 8 p.m. to midnight. Make sure you check out that show. Uh, I get a lot of a lot of influence from him. Um, yeah, getting back to the Stray Cats, you know, that album was their 40th anniversary, so they called yeah. the album 40. Uh, they called it 40. It was on Surf Dog Records. Uh, it came out. It was critically acclaimed. Okay, people were saying it was great. Uh, it was kind of like a little different than what they had done in the past. You had straight ahead rockabilly songs. And they also had a little bit of uh more of like a sixties garage sound. Yeah. Tracks, tracks like cry danger. Okay. Was one that was like that. Uh, just solid rock and roll. Something that you just don't hear anymore today. You know, that they, the they added 40. another guy to the band. They added a rhythm guitar player called Mark Neal. You know anything about Mark Neal? I think it, I think it was just for the album, right? Yeah, they, but it's a rhythm, rhythm guitar from 19, 19, uh, 19, 2019 to the present. So yeah, I guess they yeah, might him for the shows or something, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure how many shows they got in. Okay. I mean, the album came out in May. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember, did they come around last year? I, I don't recall them doing that. Yeah, so May twenty fourth it came out. May twenty fourth, the album. But I'm saying, did they yeah. uh, did they did they tour it right away? I'm, I'm I don't recall. But I could be wrong. Um, I probably would have went if I if I knew. I would have gone to uh, Stray Cats. Are you crazy? That yeah. would have been a great, great show. Great to show. See. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you, man. Beautiful women at the Stray Cat shows. Okay, uh, everybody dresses rockabilly. Okay, and uh, you know. I love that look on on women and 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 guys. You know, I used to kind of do it back in the, <laughs> in the nineties. I used to have a, a black pompadour kind of thing going for a while. Okay, I never let my I, hair grow that long. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I can I can show you pictures, man. I had like you know the hair coming down like this, and uh, 
like uh, I used to wear creepers and, 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 you know, stuff like that. So that's all I got for you today, man. The Rock, you know, I'm glad the Stray Cats are still around. They got back together. I hope that when this pandemic is over and, and they can start touring, we can go see them and, and, you know, get behind them again. They're a great band, great American band. Hold on, I can't hear you right now. Give me a second. Oh, okay, sure. Hello, hello? Yeah, can you hear me? My alarm just went off. Hold on, let me see something real quick. All right. Hello? Yes. Oh, all right, now. I went off there yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. My alarm went off. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so where can we find you, Rob? Uh, well, you can find me at anything getting lumped up. Um, and like on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and any other social media, um, getting lumped up. I also want to give a shout out to my boy, uh, Jack D. He keeps giving us, um, great guests. Um, he's the one that gave us, um, Mark Sargent and he got another person that has, uh, um, a YouTube, um, it's about, it's like, it's about conspiracy, but it's very, uh, very easy to listen. It's about five Uh minutes long and. It's something you can listen while you're in the shitter or you want something quick to listen to, you know? <laughs> we all so listen Mike, to something when we're in the shitter. So, Mike, where can I find you? Okay. Uh, I am on Instagram, RockerMike212. I am on Twitter, RockerMike3. I am on Facebook under my real name, Michael Baker. And I run the rock group with you, Rob, the Rock Show podcast group page. Uh, check it out on Facebook. Um, right now I'm going through a little bit of Facebook jail, but I'll be back soon. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got, I don't know. I'm always getting picked on the, fucking social media. Do you see what Jay Boogie did? He did what with you free Mike Baker? <laughs> yeah. With the jet, with the jail cell in front of with me. With the yeah, jail yeah. cell. Yes. <laughs> free, free Mike Baker. Dude, that, that shit with the Facebook jail is real, man. They just throwing people in jail for, it's crazy, man. He, well, uh, all, all I'll say is is that they 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 didn't tell me what I did, and they said it was a post from last year. You know what it was? That might be somebody that got a little beef with you, and they just that's all it takes. Somebody start calling you out, and they'll start locking you up, man. Well, well, well you know, keyboard warriors, they're all pussies. You know, hey, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. They're just yeah. go behind yeah. the scenes. I mean, you know, this is this is the this is the world we live in today, man. This cancel culture shit. You know, they want to destroy you if you don't agree. And you know, I mean, I try to stay away from from politics on the you know the rock show page and all that stuff. And I don't like to, you know, we don't talk about it there. Now but you, I'm, you know I'm, in some, I'm in some other groups and stuff like that. And somebody must have just didn't like something I said. Oh well. What hey, that's why. Right. Hey. Yeah, that's what happened. I say a lot of shit. I don't. I just don't give a fuck. I've been saying shit for a long time, and I I just always say I, I say what's on my mind. You know, I'm not like the, you know what the cancer culture is. The cancer culture, whatever they do, let them. It get to the point that you're canceling so many people to the one day that one person cancel you. I start a beast of baby guess because it will come back. Karma's a motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, you know well, that? it'll depend. The pendulum will go the other way. But you know what? I, what? What? You know, what sucks about being in Facebook jail now is I can't really get all the stuff out there I do every day on the Rock Show group page. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you've you've picked up a little bit of it, of the slack, but, you know, you're busy. So everybody suffers because of one little fucking pussy that decided to get mad at me and report me or, you know, whatever. So if you're out there, fuck you if you're watching. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know who you are. Maybe I'll find out who you are. And... uh Payback's a bitch, okay? Hey, but, you know, whatever. Mike, and next care. week, next week we got mm-hmm. a show that people been asking for for a long, long time. Frank Zappa. Yep, like, yep, I yep. have a, uh, I have, like, a love-hate relationship with Frank Zappa. I, I, I admire him as a trailblazer, okay, as a, as a musician. Uh, the music is kind of, you know, spotty for me. But we may have a guest. Uh, we may be bringing in a friend of mine that is like a giant Zappa head. So he'll br- he'll bring some, you know, some good uh, good stories in there and stuff, and and hopefully uh, tell us and convince us how great Frank Zappa is. But the you know the the thing is 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 we did this as part of the you know the December schedule 
this will be the Zappa one will be shown the first week of December um, as a just a gift to everybody out there. All right. You, you know, the fans, I want to thank them all for yeah. the last year and a half. You guys have been great. You've been solid. You've been, you know, uh, staying with us and our nonsense. <laughs> and and uh, we asked everybody to vote on, you know, what they wanted to hear. So three weeks out of December are all fan requested stuff that they voted on. Frank Zappa, Grand Funk Railroad, and the only ones, the British band, the only ones. I'm looking forward to that. You know what uh, show I'm looking forward to? The Robert Robert Johnson. And you know what's a guy we should have put on oh, for the fucking well, uh, Black History? Year. For yeah. Black History? Led Betty. Led Betty was a huge guitarist. Led Betty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of of guys we could have picked, you know. Yeah. I, I, I kinda picked what I kinda picked what I thought was like some of my favorites, but also stuff that people might be familiar with the most. Uh Robert Johnson's very important. That's yeah, a Black Robert. History Month. Now. That's yeah. a Black History Month in February. So, you know, we got plenty of time for that. Uh, that's all I got for you today, Mr. Rossi. That was uh, pretty good. So, once again, people, if you're listening to us, please support uh, Bill Kelly. Go to uh, XM uh, Series XM Serious. Radio. Saturday and, uh, night. Channel 21. Channel 21. Little Stevens Underground Garage. Bill Kelly. Black Hole Bandstand show. Check it out. Because the guy gave us a shout out. Didn't have to do it, dude. I appreciate what he did for us. And um, guys, remember, don't get drunk. Get drunk. Get lumped up. Get lumped up. See you next week. Take care.